We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 19 and go to 24, okay? Matthew chapter 6, verse what? 19. 19. That's where we're starting. While you're turning there, I'm going to ask you this question. Can I get two claps and a Ric Flair? I know y'all can do this. Okay? I know y'all can do this. Thank you. Um, what's the most valuable thing in your house? Think about it. Taco, your dog. <laughs> yeah? A dog? Maybe somebody's got some jewelry that's real nice, right? Yeah, Elliot. Your Bible? Okay, awesome. Your hamster. Okay. All right. I hate to break it to you, but hamsters aren't that expensive. We buried the hamster we had in kindergarten in an ink cartridge box. Happy the hamster died when we were in kindergarten and we took her outside and buried her under the maple tree with an ink cartridge box that really doubled. Happy the hamster was not happy very long. For real, what's the most valuable thing in your life? Really, I want you to stop for just a second. No words, don't say anything, just think about it. What is the most valuable thing in your life? Do you have an answer? Do you know your answer? No. Thing meaning anything. What is the most valuable thing? Do you have your answer in your mind? Yes. Got it? Okay. Now I want you to backtrack. How did you get to that answer? How did you decide that's what's the most valuable thing in your life? Did you even think about why you chose that thing? Some people do. Some people don't. Right? Addie probably said her hamster because it makes her really happy and she really likes it and has fun. She screams at me. She does. Wait, what? <laughs> That's a I crazy process thing. Oh, you changed your mind. Okay. Nice. Here's the thing, okay? We really need to be thinking about what is the most valuable things in our lives. What are the most valuable things in our lives? Because that thing, the way we answer that question, is going to determine the way we live our life. Did you know that? Like, you, you center a room and design a room based on what the most important thing in that room is. Did you know that? Like, the most important thing in this room, what do you think it is? Jesus. It's kind of the stage. Do you know why the stage is the most important thing in this room? Because that's where the, the, the leading in worship comes from. So if you come in here to be led in worship, then anything that's going to lead you in worship is coming from this stage. So everything is, is made to draw your attention here because it's the most valuable thing. That's why this wall is crazy and the rest of them are not. Right? That one's got the logo, but it's not crazy. Okay? You put the TV in the center of the living room because that's where everybody's going to be spending their time and their energy. You put the bed in the center of the bedroom. You put the toilet or the bathtub or the shower or whatever or the sink, you know, the Every, one of those four things is generally the most important thing in a bathroom, so that's somewhere in the center, right? You build everything around it. Whatever is most important in your life, whatever is most valuable to you in your life, is going to determine the way that you live. Do you have Matthew chapter 6? Are you at verse 19? Cool. If you're not, it's going to be up here on the screen. Let's read 19 through 24 together, and then we're going to pray. Before we do, though, Jesus is in this really famous thing he did called what? Does anybody remember? The Sermon on the Mount. That's what we're going through in this whole series. Jesus explaining to his followers, which at this point were thousands of people, what it looks like to be the person God made you to be. If you're acting like that, this is what your life will look like. If you're all acting like that, this is how you will all interact together. And he's right in the middle. It's three chapters long, five, six, and seven. And we're in the middle of chapter six. And this is what he says starting in verse 19. Okay, It's going to be up here on the screen. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Then in verse 20, he says, But store up for yourselves instead treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. we got three more verses. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? And last verse. No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Or the Greek word that Jesus used there was mammon. It's the word for the God of money. So, keep that in mind. Let's pray, okay? Father, thank you for the opportunity to stay dry and stay together in this room as we study your word. I pray that you would speak to us, that you would open your word to our hearts, um, and that we would be changed by it. Um, Guys, if you would take a second, pray for yourself. Ask God to speak to you. Ask him to teach you something tonight and help you to focus even though there's a hurricane outside. And if you would, pray for me. Ask God to use me and to be helpful to you. Well, Jesus, we love you, and we are expectant for you to do big things tonight, so please do. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, remember your thing you said was most valuable? Don't forget about it. It's going to be really important as we go through the rest of this series, or this series, this sermon, okay? We are going through this, this series called All of My Best Friends, right? How to be the best kind of friend and how to look for the right kinds of friends. And we're using this phrase, fake friends, blank, but real friends, blank. So we've said things like, uh, fake friends promote themselves, but real friends do what? They pray for each other, right? Instead, because that's getting their heart in line with God. We said things like, what else have we said? Um, I'm trying to think. I don't remember the other ones off the top of my head, and I didn't write them down. But that's kind of what we're doing. Um, and today, to tonight, Jesus is talking about how we view what's important in our relationships with other people. And he starts off by warning us, if you're deciding what the most valuable thing in your life is, by looking at the things that everybody around you is saying and the things that are around you on earth and picking those things, be careful because there's two things that could happen to those things. Verse 19, this is what he says. He says that there's two warnings. First of all, he warns against rot. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where what? Where moths and rust destroy, okay? That's number one. Jesus warns you, if you think the most valuable thing in your life is something you can look at and touch in front of you, you're gonna be, you got to be really careful because that thing could probably break down and fall apart, right? Like, have you ever seen anything that's 100 years old and has absolutely no wear and tear on it? It's completely survived the whole 100 years. You have? Because I haven't. If you've seen something that has made it for an entire 100 years and never even got a scratch, the color didn't fade, nothing happened to it, that it would make it fall apart a little bit, I would like to see what that thing is because I've never seen it before. Even the most durable, the most valuable things we see when it comes to the way we spend money, they, were, they, they break down. You know, I have, I'm wearing a silicone ring right now, but I have a, a white gold wedding ring. That is 24 karat white gold. If I don't take it to the jewelry store every six months and have them clean it and redo the finish on the outside, it will literally fall apart on its own. 
Like it will become so nasty and dirty that eventually the protectant coating on the outside of it, or protective coating, will just fall off and the whole thing will break eventually. I have to take that ring back as valuable as it is. I still have to take care of it and do all those things even though we paid a bunch of money for it. Did you know your skin cells, not just your skin cells, but all of the cells in your body completely replace themselves every seven years? Who's 14? Do you know what? The body you're sitting in at 14 years old is the third version of your body that has existed. You were born, and by the time you were seven, all of your cells were placed, and now you're 14, they've replaced again. This is the third version of the body you're sitting in. Did you ever heard that before? Because I didn't hear that until just a couple of years ago. It's crazy. Your skin cells literally replenish, and all the rest of your body cells. I, don't know, I wrote skin cells in my notes, so why it keeps coming out of my mouth like that. Every seven years, every seven years, they all replace themselves. So this hand right here, I'm 26, okay? Two years from now, this hand will be the fourth, fifth, the fifth version of my left hand that has existed in complete, like, isn't that weird to think about? But the cells die off and new ones replace them. They're the same kind of cells, why it looks the same. But even your own body doesn't last a full seven years before it has to reset everything. You literally die every seven years. Isn't that crazy? Here's the thing. I want to tell you something. I think when we look at how people are deciding what's the most valuable thing in their life, how many of you guys think about the thing that you picked? What's the most valuable thing? Is that, would you say that that thing or something like it could also be somebody else's most valuable thing? Yeah. Okay. Then would you say that there's probably some percentage of your decision-making process on what's most valuable that is influenced by what everybody else around you is doing and thinking and saying? You don't think so? Okay. Let me ask you this. Where do you spend most of your time? Don't, you don't have to answer it. When you get to choose how to spend your time, what do you do with your time? Think about it. Okay? That will tell you what you think is the most valuable thing to spend time on. Because you're choosing to spend time on that thing. What do you spend the most money on if you spend money? That's what you think is, is worth the most money because you're spending money on it. Even if it's a $6 Chick-fil-A meal that you buy 15 times a week. You still think it's worth spending that money on? What clothes do you wear? What's the most important clothing outfit that you wear? Did you just pick it on your own or did you see somebody else wearing something like it? Oh. See? It really feels necessary to kind of be like everybody else, does it not? Like there's this drive in deep inside us and it's so bad for me. It is so bad for me. That's why I'm wearing Kyrie's on the stage right now. Okay, I'm just going to be real with y'all. I bought them because I thought they would be cool basketball shoes that would, number one, be good basketball shoes for me, but also that other people would like to look at. And I got a compliment on them tonight. So it worked, okay? But here's my point. We really feel this deep down, really strong desire to be just like everybody else, don't we? We at least want them to like us. So we feel this drive to do things and say things that will make us look like them so that they don't dislike us, and then we can be friends with them and it may feel necessary to be like everybody else but the things that you're doing or even the relationships with those people that you're trying to to make if that friendship is the most valuable thing to you it will fall apart do you know how many people i have been friends with since kindergarten that i still keep in contact with zero zero Zero. not one 
That doesn't mean that I'm like mad at all of them. Life just happens and you go apart from each other, right? But here's the thing. The other thing Jesus warns about is robbery. So rot is the first thing. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and and steal. It may really feel like you need to do the things and say the things and buy the things and, and, and be around the people that you want to like you very, 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 very much. But even though it feels necessary, at some point that thing that you are trying to do, that thing you're trying to get from them is gonna go away from you somehow. Not only would it possibly break down, but like, you ever been through something like this? Like, uh, you, you, you start to become friends with somebody and you, do, you work really hard, right? Like you change the way that you, that you dress, you change the way that you talk, you start doing things a little bit more like them. And even if you're not really thinking about it, but you start to notice over time you're acting more and more like them because maybe you really kind of want them to like you. And then all of a sudden, you say hi to their ex in the hallway and they cancel you like that. Yeah, be careful, right? That was, that was perfect timing. I think his Bible app was trying to, to read the scripture to him. But here's the thing, here's the thing, okay? Whatever you think is most valuable, if it's not God, if it's not coming from the realm of where God lives, which is heaven, that's why Jesus uses the word heaven, it's gonna fall apart or it's gonna be stolen from you and it, one of those two or both of them will happen to it. Why do we act like this so much? Think about it. Why is it so hard to live differently than other people, right? Because more often than not, I find myself acting like the people around me and valuing these possessions so highly just because I want the people to like me, right? We say things like, if they see me in those shoes, they'll think I'm dirty. I ain't wearing those shoes. I legit met somebody one time that was like, I will never go to Walmart. I will only go to Target. Walmart is dirty. Only dirty people go to Walmart. Do you know why she said that? Because she didn't want to be seen as a person who goes to Walmart. Literally everybody goes to Walmart. Amen. Amen. Walmart's cheaper. I was in Walmart today. How about this? If they don't, if they don't think that I want to go do this thing with them, then they're going to think, sorry, let me reread that. I can't read. If they think that I don't want to go do this thing with them, they're going to think that means I hate them. So I need to go. You know, even though, even though everybody that's there is only going to be doing things that hurt themselves and hurt other people, I'm still going to go. Because if they think that I don't want to do it with them, they're going to think I hate them. And I can't have them thinking that, they, that I hate them. That can't work. It really sucks how they pick on that classmate over there. But, I mean, like, he is a little weird. And I don't want to make it look like I don't like them, too, so I'm just not going to say anything. Or I'm going to join in with them and make fun of him, too. We're using people when we do stuff like this. Here's the thing. Do you know what the word trajectory means? Trajectory means, like, where you're aimed. Okay? So right now, the trajectory of my feet is this way. Because that's where they're aimed. Right? The trajectory of your treasure... The direction that your the thing you're valuing goes or is is heading, it will directly determine how healthy your heart is. I want you to hear that again. The trajectory of your treasure will directly determine the health of your heart. T D H. Oh my gosh, guys, that's my initials. <laughs> I never noticed that. The trajectory of your treasure will directly determine the health of your heart. The direction that you look. To, to choose what's most valuable is going to directly choose how healthy your heart is. That's what Jesus says. 
Look in verses 22 and 23. He gives us a test to find out if we're doing this right. Verse 22, he says this. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And then in verse 23, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? In Jesus' time, a lamp was a necessary tool, even in the daytime. Like, think about this. The sun is technically still out right now, right? Because there's still sunlight. Eh, Ish. There's, well, anyways. If these, let's just say these windows weren't here, or they were really small, okay? And... That was all we had to let any sunlight in. How necessary would it be to have a lamp in this room to see? Very necessary, right? So in Jesus' day, not only in the nighttime, but also in the daytime, lamps were really necessary to reveal the truth of what's going on inside the house and help you know how to navigate around it so you don't run into it and bruise yourself, right? Very necessary. Here's what Jesus is saying. Go back to verse 22 for me. Look what he says. What does he say is the lamp of your body? The eye. The eye. If the lamp is revealing the truth about what's going on in your house and what's there and helps you navigate around it, Jesus is saying your eye will determine what, what you think you need to do to navigate through life and tell you what is true about life. So what are you looking at? What are you focused on? Whatever goes through your eyes will directly communicate the definition of truth and how to navigate life through that truth to your heart. So what are you putting in front of your eyes? It's going to directly... correlated. Whatever you're spending your time focused on and looking at and and, and wanting by giving it attention, it will directly tell you what is supposed to be most valuable in your life. I want you to do a comparison in your mind. What do you spend more time thinking about? What other people think about you or what those people need? What do you spend more time thinking about? What do you think? What people think about you. I've actually done this study with people. Like, I did a numbered study. 70 people answered this question for me. Do you know how many of them said they focus more on other people's needs than they do other people's opinions? Three. Twelve. That's 17%. 17% of the people in that study, and most of them were adults. So I would guess, I know myself in middle school, the number in here is probably way lower. We are really worried about what other people think about us. But here's the thing. If you walk into a room with 100 people and 100 people are all worried about what other people are thinking about them, then who's actually thinking about other people and like their opinion about that other person? Nobody is, right? Because all of us are worried about what they think about us. Right? If I'm in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't let Jasper see my shoes. He's going to think they're nasty and they're dirty. And then Jasper's over there going, I can't let Ty see my chain because I don't, I don't think he's going to like it very much. Then is my worry about Jasper seeing my, my shoes actually realistic? No, because no, he's not. He's worried about himself, right? And what other people are thinking about him. And if everybody in the room is thinking that way, can, they, can we just all admit that we're all thinking that way and stop playing games? That would make things a lot easier, wouldn't it? I guarantee you it's influencing the way that we live, the things that we buy. It's 100% influencing the way that we think about and treat each other. 100%. No wonder so many people's lives are dark and scary, especially on the inside. That's why Jesus says in verse 23, if the lamp in you is darkness, then, like if your lamp is giving off darkness, then how crazy dark is that going to be? Pretty wild, right? That'd be so cool. That's the point. It's a direct comparison to something that is not logical. It's almost like this way of thinking is like a master over us, isn't it? It's like controlling the way that we live, like a slave master. Funny that we say it that way because look in verse 24. It should be the next slide or close. Yeah, here we go. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Oh, it's almost like Jesus is God and he would know what we were talking about tonight. 
Wow. Yeah, he is God. Wow. Since either he will hate one master and love the other, or he will be devoted to one master and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In their day, money was the thing they needed to use to get the things they wanted and be like everybody else. If you had money, then you would be impressive. So substitute money for whatever you think is most valuable in your life. Getting that person to be your friend. Getting that person uh, to, to date you. Or maybe, guys, to get everybody around you to believe that that girl sent you pictures. Or one up to get her to actually send them to you until you can show them to everybody. That's trash if you're acting like that. Girls, it can work the same way for y'all. If you spend all of your time thinking about what other people will think about you and doing things to get them to like you, then you're devoted to the master of approval. So here's the first blank, okay? And this is going to go really fast because these are all at the end. Fake friends settle, okay? It's up here on the screen. Well, it will be. There, well, maybe one more. We'll get there. It's probably out of order because of the thing. Just find one that says fake friends and only fake friends. Well, we'll get there. Fake friends settle. Here we go. Fake friends settle to get approval. Settle on the top to get approval on the bottom. Fake friends settle for something that's not as good. Right? Jesus says, don't lay up treasures for yourself here on earth. If your most valuable thing is doing and being like everybody else, like it is on earth, like everybody else around you, it's going to fall apart and somebody could just walk away from you and you'd lose it forever. Don't settle for a life like that. Fake friends all around you are settling like this, aren't they? They're just acting like everybody else around them. They're doing everything everyone else is doing. They're cussing like everyone else just because everybody else is. Even though we talked last year about how cuss words are words that are both offensive and about taboo subjects. And they only have power because they are offensive and they're about taboo subjects. There's a whole scientific study about it. And if you're confused, go on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts and scroll all the way back to the beginning of our student ministry sermons. There's the one in there about cussing. It explains the whole thing. But you want to do it anyway because everybody around you is doing it that way. They're acting that way. You want to be disrespectful to your teachers and make a joke out of being mean to your teacher because the person next to you did that two days ago and they got a really good laugh and everybody loved it, so I'm going to do it this time now. right? Even though God said to respect the authority that has been put over you. We can't be surprised when everybody around us is settling to get approval for things and then we just don't, we don't get what we're looking for. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting to get different results. So if you keep doing everything that everybody around you is doing, but you don't get a different result from them, don't be surprised. If you keep doing that, it's literally defined as insanity. <clears throat> Fake friends settle just to get approval. And here's the thing. We're not just okay with, we're not just kind of barely settling for things. We kind of prefer these lesser things. Right? Treating your friends with disrespect, getting people and trying to use people to send you pictures, or just being mean to your siblings or to your parents or to your, to your teachers or whoever, we don't just, we're not just kind of okay with it. We kind of prefer this kind of stuff. Do you guys know who C.S. Lewis is? Yes. He wrote the, the Chronicles of Narnia books that got turned into different movies and things like that. He wrote a bunch of other books too. And in one of his books... He has a quote that I was going to put on the screen. I didn't get the chance to get all of it on here. But basically, this is what he's saying. When God looks at us and what we desire and the things that we want, it's not that our desires are too strong. It's that they're too small. Kind of like a little kid who's playing in the mud and making mud pies. When you go to him and offer him a vacation at the ocean, he has no idea what you're talking about. He's just going to go on and keep, and keep playing with his mud pies. That's how our lives are. When we keep acting like our friends around us to get them to approve of us, 
And God comes in and says, hey, I have a better way of life for you. We're like, no, I think I'm okay. Not because we've got it all figured out and God's wrong, but because we don't have a big enough dream for what God would do in our lives. Look at verse 22. We're going to do one last comparison. Jesus says, you cannot serve... Interesting. What's going on? Okay. He says in verse 22 that you cannot serve two masters. Right? You're either going to love one and hate the other or despise one and, or, and then love the other. You can't love both God and the thing that you are trying to do to get people to like you. Here's the two different masters. This is the comparison. The master of approval. The master of approval knows what you want. He knows what you want. He knows that you just want somebody to look at you and say, yes, I like you. I will be your friend. And he knows that you will do anything that it takes to get there. But he gets a thrill out of messing with you to get there. That's the master of approval. The other master is called Adonai. It's the Hebrew word for Lord. That's God. Jesus, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is eternally a community of love. The Father, Son, and the Spirit. Always giving love and receiving love to and from each other. He created you. He loves you so much that He died for you. And He doesn't want anything else for you other, or from you other than that you would just step back and say, I know that I can't do this myself. I want you to lead me, God. That's it. And He's got tons of proof in thousands, if not millions of other people's lives to back up his, his offer. The master of approval gets a thrill out of making you chase a goal that's going to fall apart or be taken from you. And the master of Adonai, of God, who already has approved of you and only wants you to admit that you will never get that on your own. And he already approves you. One of them offers a lifetime of work for approval and no reward. And the other causes a lot of people... Sorry. One offers a lifetime of work for approval with no reward, and it causes a lot of people to settle for a life of sin and shame, right? There's a lot of people in the world who have chased the master of approval for 70 years, and they regret it. The other, God, offers a lifetime of knowing that you're already approved, even when you don't deserve to be, and an eternity of life and more than you could ask for, even after you die. That's awful shiny and pretty, isn't it, to think about, that God would treat you that way and think about you that way. So here's real friends. Real friends shine because they're approved. Real friends shine. This is verse 19. Look at verse 19. He says, the, sorry, not 19, 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If you're focused on the right things, then you're going to be shining to the people around you. You're going to be the kind of person other people want to be around. You're going to be the kind of person who reveals what is true to other people. If everybody around you was blind and in the dark and you had the light, how stupid would it be to hide that light? But that's exactly what's happening in your school, in your family, especially if they don't follow Jesus. But if you're a follower of Jesus and you don't focus on the right things, you don't choose to trust Jesus in his way, you're not helping anybody. In fact, you're just hurting yourself. But if you focus on him and choose to let God be the most valuable thing in your life, your whole body will be full of light. Every single week we keep coming back to this verse, and this is where we're going to end it. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. If you're poor in spirit, you know you don't have anything to offer on your own. That anything that's good in you comes from Jesus. 
and Jesus alone. People who know they're poor in spirit know that they have, they, they know they have, goodness, I can't talk today. People who know that they're poor in spirit know that they have nothing to offer on their own. And this means that they can be a humble friend because their strength comes from God. Remember how last week we talked about how nobody wants to be friends with a salesman who doesn't listen? Oh my gosh, yes. Nobody wants to be friends with someone who just wants to talk about themselves and never listen to you. But if you're poor in spirit, you can be a humble friend. You know you don't have anything to offer to bring to the table. Anything good in you comes from God. Not from you. And when you're a friend who's like that, that's pretty attractive to other people. People who know that they're poor in spirit, know that their strength comes from God, who does not break down and decay, and he will never steal from you. Ever. They know that they don't need to sin to keep people around. If your friends need you to sin, to keep being your friends, they are not your friends. They are using you. I want to say that again because this is one of the most important things we could ever learn from this series. If your friends need you to sin in order for them to keep you around. They are not your friends. They are using you. But when friends are living in the opposite way of that, that's shiny. That's a way of life I want to live. Do you? Where all you're focused on is how good God is and that will change the way you treat other people. Here's the last blank. People who know that they're poor in spirit know that God is all they have because God is all they need. People who know that they're poor in spirit know that God is all they have because God is all they need. And they know better than anybody that He is way more than enough. There are a lot of people in this room right now who are older than 18 years old. And I bet all of us have at least one story from when we were in 6th grade, 7th grade, or 8th grade and we did something stupid to get other people to like us. And now we know, because we've been exposed to the truth over time, God is all we need. People who know they're poor in spirit know that God is all they have because God is all they need. And He's more than enough. When I heard that in middle school, I was like, God's it, that's all I get is God. If you're thinking in your mind, God is all I need, wow, that's not that much. Your idea of who God is is way too small. Way too small. Our God never, he literally never ends. He has no end to him. He chooses to hold himself back in times and moments so that we can make decisions for ourselves and our lives because he loves us and he wants to let us choose. But there is no end to his love, to his mercy, to his grace, to his justice, to his power. He can do all things that do not contradict his character. Some people will be like, well, if God can do everything, then can he make a rock that's too big for him to lift? <laughs> No, duh. If you know that you're poor in spirit, you can be a humble friend. But you've got to know you're poor in spirit first. And you can't even start to have a relationship with Jesus until you admit that you are a sinner. Believe in your heart that Jesus' death and resurrection from the grave is the power that gives you the ability to be this kind of person. And then confess, which means agree, that He is the Lord of your life. Admit that you're a sinner and you can't do this on your own, a.k.a. Matthew 5, 3, that you're poor in spirit. Admit that you're poor in spirit. Believe that Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross is what saves you and agree that he's the boss of your life and you will have a relationship with him. And then you can start being this person because you can start to hear the voice of God. 
And if you're in this room and you don't, you've never done that before, you've never taken a, taken a moment in your life to admit that you don't have it all together, to believe that Jesus died and rose again for you, and to agree that He's in charge of your life, you need to do that. Because you can't begin to imagine what your life was made for until you answer that question for yourself. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you do, quit settling for smaller things. Choose to focus on Jesus and let Him show you how cool it is to shine. To live a life that people want to be a part of because God is working in and through you. I'm going to pray and then we're going to be done, okay? Father, thank you for... Thank you for giving us a life to, to chase after. For giving us good to pursue. Thank you for loving us enough to have died for us. God, I pray that if there's anybody in this room who doesn't have a relationship with you, that you wouldn't let them sit still until they do something about it. I pray that you would speak to all of us throughout the week and help us listen to your voice um, and choose to value you over everything else. Not that the other things don't have value, but that you have the most. I pray that we would build those treasures up for ourselves. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.